esteemed champagne house Veuve Clicquot, known for celebrating boldness, creativity, and entrepreneurial spirit, turns the spotlight on female business leaders with the Veuve Clicquot Bold Woman Award, an international program dedicated to supporting female entrepreneurship and identifying future role models who embody the brand's founder, Madame Clicquot's courage and business savoir-faire. In 1805, Madame Clicquot demonstrated great courage and tenacity when she took the reins of Maison Veuve Clicquot after the death of her husband, at a time when women could neither work nor hold a bank account. The winners will travel to Reims, France for a three-day immersion in the history and tradition of Maison Veuve Clicquot and to participate in the Bold Forum to share their stories and network with other winners from around the world. Head to the link in the episode description to find out more. I think now more so than ever, I think especially just being the most decorated Olympian in Canada, that kind of just solidifies for me a little bit that I've done something right. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? At just 21 years old, Toronto-born swimmer Penny Alexiak has already been crowned as Canada's most decorated Olympian with seven medals to her name. Before her dominant display this past summer in Tokyo, Penny became the first Canadian to win four medals in the same summer games and the country's youngest Olympic champion. If that weren't enough, she closed out her Olympic debut by becoming the first athlete born in the 2000s to claim a medal in an individual event further underscoring her status as a generational talent. Five years later, Penny returned to the Olympic stage to compete under the bright lights of the Tokyo Summer Games and once again represented Canada in spectacular fashion. By securing a silver and a pair of bronze medals, she immortalized herself as Canada's most decorated Olympic athlete. But holding a reputation like hers comes with its own set of challenges. When you're thrust onto a podium and heralded as one of the greatest athletes in the world, that can sometimes affect your mental health, as we've seen in other instances with athletes, notably young female athletes like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka. Despite these challenges, it's undeniable that Penny and her contemporaries have all earned their success and have every right to celebrate it without apology or validation. On today's episode, I spoke with Penny on the set of our very first Women of the Year issue about navigating the discomfort of high-pressure environments her philosophy on victory, and what it means to own your ambition. Enjoy. Okay, hi, Penny. Hi. We are on set for our upcoming Woman of the Year issue. Uh, how's your day so far? How are you enjoying the shoot? It's been fun. I've yeah. definitely been nervous, and I don't know what I'm doing when I'm like directly in front of a camera. But it is scary. a weird experience. I mean, like we were talking just off camera, when you're in front of a camera, in front of the barrel, you just kind of don't know what to do with your hands and your body. And it's just, a, it's a completely different experience sometimes, right? Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> well, you um, look great. The images look really great. And like, I'm, we're so happy that you could spend some time with us today. I want to talk about a few things. Um, obviously, Tokyo, a little bit about Rio, um, and just your whole experience navigating your career as an athlete and your mm -hmm. perspective on it. Yeah. So. 
You've just come back from Tokyo, where you officially became the most decorated Canadian Olympian ever with seven medals. What does that mean to hold a title like that? Um, have you had a chance to really process it all? Uh, I don't think I've really had a chance to like fully process it. I don't know. It's weird to me to be the most decorated Olympian in Canada. Like I look at myself like I did in grade nine, pretty much. So I just look at myself as like little Penny and that's just how I see everything. And it's weird when like people want to come up to me and ask for photos or when I'm asked to do like crazy glamorous photo shoots like this. It's weird to me because it's just like, it, like it's me. It's right. So odd. <laughs> You're just Penny. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, what was different heading into Tokyo versus Rio? Where was your mind at, your goals, how you prepared? You know, we're coming right out of or still in a pandemic. So obviously there was a little bit of a difference there, but what were really some of the major differences for you? I think some of the major ones were just my mentality going into Rio versus Tokyo. Going into Rio, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of just, that was my first senior meet that I have ever made before being on Team Canada. I was so young going into it and I kind of just gotten so much faster in just a few months. And it was a really weird experience for me to just go to Rio and get four medals. And I never really had time to process that. And then for Tokyo, my mentality was totally changed because I feel like I learned so much over the last four or five years to where I've learned how to carry myself at the pool. I've learned how to kind of change my mindset going into races and how to really focus. And I understand the sport a lot better and understand that mental performance plays such a big role in physical performance and it's yeah. just kind of i had to switch my mentality around well and even like the, the span between those two those two games i mean they're like really formative years for you too just as a yeah. human being too and so you're learning i imagine a lot about yourself as well as just who you are as an athlete and in the sport too mm -hmm. um so what was the first thing you did to celebrate after you won and realize that you had really, you know, crossed that huge milestone. In Tokyo? In Tokyo, yeah. I honestly didn't do much. I kind of just spent a little bit of time with our teammates and had a good dinner in the dining hall in Tokyo. And then we flew back, I think it was the next day. So right. nothing really big. When As soon as I got home, I had like a small little dinner with my family and it was just really nice to come home and just have things regular for a minute. Yeah, yeah. What was like, did you have like a go-to meal while you were in Tokyo? Uh, every day I ate chicken thighs, dumplings, and like onions and corn <laughs> or peas. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, I'm curious, what's like, you know, now that you've had a chance, a few, you know, days and weeks uh, since coming back, what is your like, do you have a favorite photo in your, your, your phone camera roll from that time there, you know, that was candid with your teammates or your coaches or anything like that, that really kind of encapsulate your, your whole experience there? I think it's hard for me to find a photo that kind of encapsulates it's all or all of it because I don't know, the Olympics are such a big event and it's really hard to like explain it even or even just like capture it in one photo. So for me, we took so many photos there and it was just really nice with my group after the session or after the whole meet, we all got together and we got to 
take photos with all of our like 15 medals and it was it was pretty fun 15 medals that is absolutely nuts um what is your training philosophy what do you use to really push and motivate yourself um, do you have a mantra that you follow personally that really helps you stay focused and also just kind of drown out any anything outside of that noise mm -hmm. i don't know i think i i kind of just always have a goal in mind and i think i'm always looking towards the olympics mainly but also just trying to get better every single day like every day i'm in the pool i want to be able to find something to fix or to find something to work on and i want to try and use that in the water and out of the water and like i constantly am thinking when i'm training about just how my hand position is or how my turns are feeling or my underwater kicks or something so pretty much every day i'm kind of looking for something new to fix and I don't like having days where I feel perfect because like then I'm just stressing like, no, I need to be better than this. <laughs> yeah. Now there's been a lot of discourse around mental health recently, especially in the sports community with athletes like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka putting a spotlight on the topic. For young athletes, especially young female athletes, there's a lot of pressure, and a lot of criticism, as well as a lot of celebration you know, let me start by asking, like, how are you doing with all of that? <laughs> uh, personally? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned a lot after Rio because right after Rio, I was pretty overwhelmed with everything from the media, especially. And then it took me a few years to kind of learn how to kind of look at everything a bit differently and take the pressures and just use it as a motivation almost. And I think nearing the Tokyo Olympics it kind of like there wasn't as much media attention people didn't think I was going to do as well so I was just living life normally and I was loving it and then um, kind of after Tokyo I think things ramped up a bit again and it's been a little bit overwhelming recently but I'm trying to just remind myself of how to handle it all and it's it's an experience it's not always pretty right yeah there's there's ups and downs for mm -hmm. sure um, I mean, achieving a title like being the most decorated Canadian Olympian must feel incredible, but does it also feel, ever feel overwhelming? Um, you know, not only just the title, but the pressure of the sport, the, the pressure that you put on yourself as an athlete. How do you deal with that pressure? Uh, I think I deal with it a lot better now than I used to. I think now I have a bit more confidence in my training and in myself and I know what I'm capable of, so I kind of know, like, I can't, I know I can't fool myself, so I know if I put in the work, then I'm gonna do well, because that's just kind of who I am, and yeah. especially surrounding like the Olympics and everything, I love stepping up. But um, I don't know, I think there is a lot of pressure, not only on me, but I think on athletes in general, just because people like idolize athletes, mm -hmm. so I think there's always this pressure to be perfect and to win all the time. And that can be very daunting. So I've had to really teach myself to not always focus on winning, but just focus on being better. I guess what's the balance between showing like the humans out of that whole experience and 
the ups and downs versus, you know, being able to establish boundaries with media or with your fans or, mm -hmm. or other people in the sport? Where do you draw that line between the two? I think I'm still figuring that out. I don't really like to talk about a lot just because I think especially with things like injuries or something, it can kind of create like almost excuses in the media. They'll like really play on injuries or something like that. So going into Tokyo, I didn't talk about injuries I had or things I was dealing with mentally or physically or anything like that. And then at Tokyo, I was like, I did all this and I was dealing with X, Y, and Z. And then they wanted yeah. to know more about it. And I was just like, no, we need to, I, I'm still trying to figure out where to draw that line. I think that's really hard to figure out. And I think that's what a lot of athletes are kind of struggling with now. Cause I don't think anyone's ever really seen the human side of athletes outside of their sport. Yeah, and it's interesting too, because, you know, there is an argument for um, athletes being a voice for their communities, a voice for social issues too. And then there are other, you know, there's another camp that would say that athletes should just perform and, and, and perform in their sport and then that's it. Do you believe that athletes should be talking about these things like mental health, like pay equity, that's been another mm -hmm. thing too. How important do you think it is for athletes to be able to do that um, and move forward? I think it's definitely super important for athletes to be able to talk openly and freely about their opinions on things with mental, like concerning mental health or um, pay equity. I think that's a huge thing too in sport. And um, I don't know, I, I, I think that just expecting athletes to just perform and then do interviews and smile the whole time through it that's just like cruel almost <laughs> yeah definitely and like i think inherently like sports is political mm -hmm. and, and vice versa and there's there it's going to be interwoven you know and has been interwoven throughout history throughout the olympics throughout different um it intersects in so many other parts of our lives so why wouldn't we encourage athletes to be able to speak about these kinds of things right for sure so how do you embrace discomfort? Uh, how do you get, you know, basically comfortable with being uncomfortable? Because I imagine there's a lot of scenarios where, you know, you're uncomfortable, but you're pushing through and mm -hmm. trying to get your personal best or trying to, to break through your own records and everything. Yeah, I think there's, you kind of need to find a balance with it. I think there is that you kind of need to push yourself pretty hard and push yourself past your comfort zone a lot of the time. And for me, I do that with working with really good trainers and everything, because I know for myself in a race, I'm able to push myself past that and kind of get to that extra gear, or get to that next level at the end of a race, especially. But I think in training for me, it's really good to have a coach or a trainer that can push me and motivate me to be better try harder and push myself past that comfort zone but i think there's also kind of understanding that sometimes you don't need to push your, yourself past that comfort zone because i think a lot of athletes especially will do that and then it results in burnout and you've pushed yourself yeah. too far and now you can't do anymore so i think it's just finding that balance yeah and i mean do you, are you how would you describe yourself in trying in terms of you know, trying to have control over the, the different parts of your life. How do you deal with the things that are outside of your control? And 
you know, have you ever managed to find that sense of control throughout your career in high pressure situations? And also throughout the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of things that are mm -hmm. out of our control. So how do you deal with the things that are, are not things that you can necessarily take action on yourself? I feel like I'm pretty chill with that kind of stuff. I think I've accepted over the last few years that there's a lot of things that aren't in my control. So I try to just kind of go with whatever's going on. And if something doesn't go my way, then I know that there's an alternate route to get to where I want to go or I try and figure something out. And I don't know, I, I kind of like to just keep things very chill, very lighthearted and just have fun with things as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great mindset. Where do you find, I mean, you mentioned your, your coaching team and your teammates. Where do you find your strength and your support systems? And how do you seek out the people that will not only challenge you, but keep you grounded, focused, and um, you know, on the right path? Mm -hmm. I think it's just the fact that I'm not really seeking that many people, which kind of helps me. I also kind of shot to this, like, I don't like saying fame, but like, I don't know, I got more exposure mm -hmm. um, when I was younger. So I think trying to already figure out in high school who your friends are, and that's like a really kind of difficult thing when you're young. And then having that thrown into it with like Olympic medals, you have so many more people that want to get connected to you. And it's not just kids anymore. It's like adults who also want to or management teams that want to. And so I had to pretty quickly learn how to kind of read people and read scenarios and figure out who are people that are actually looking out for me and who are people that just want to be around me when I'm doing well. So for me, I think it's been five years of learning that. And now I have a very small like friend group and they're all very motivated, very grounded. And I love those people, but I also think I have a really good support team around me with people that have known me for a really long time and know what I stand for and what I believe in. And how I kind of operate day to day. I'm very close with the people that I work with and mm. people that are part of my support team. And I think just having that kind of like close connectivity with them is really important. What do you think is the most valuable lesson you've learned from your support team? Mm, I don't know. I've, <laughs> I've learned a lot because I've kind of had to learn from people like my management team, my agent, my coach, a lot of like older people I've had to kind of learn from them how to navigate all of this and how to trust certain people and stuff. So I think it's kind of just about reading situations and trusting people is kind of the best advice I've yeah. learned, I guess, and just enjoying the process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're on the cover of our very first Women of the Year issue. What, who are the women that you look up to? I have like a ton. It's really, like people always ask me that and I'm always <laughs> like, I don't have a single answer for you. I think mm. for me, number one or like mainly, I guess, is kind of those girls that I swam with in Rio and the girls I was on the relay with in Rio. I felt like they almost were like my second family and they kind of raised me a bit and they really taught me how to act at the pool and they helped me outside of the pool with things like school and just different relationships and everything like that and I really appreciated them for that and even now knowing that they're all supporting me and rooting for me even when they're not swimming is super awesome but um, I think there's tons of people I have two like amazing sisters and a really great sister-in-law and I love them all so much and they've like taught me an insane amount of things and just knowing that I have 
them to go to about things and I mean of course like my mom I love her <laughs> she's amazing and she just always growing up taught me about like just being a strong woman and not really needing anyone else to support you or anyone else to kind of push you where you need to go and she's taught me how to be really independent and confident in myself and I appreciate her for that. Now obviously you are no stranger to representing Canada on an international level. In your experience do you ever feel like the international community views Canada as an underdog or as kind of a quiet member of the international community that doesn't really do enough to celebrate our own our own successes and, and really kind of shout it out you know yeah i mean i kind of think that we are very like quiet a little bit and we don't really get in anyone's face about our like wins or anything like that but i also kind of love that about canada's every athlete i've met here every person that i've kind of met who's really successful out of canada is very humble and i think that's a great attribute of a person and I love just meeting people like that because they're a lot more grounded they don't really see themselves as above anyone else and that's kind of the people I love being around so for me I, I love it but I think Canada also does celebrate their successes a lot and I think it's just not as extravagant as it might be in other places right yeah right. how do you celebrate yourself oh uh, just by like surrounding myself with the people that I have around me and just making sure that I'm making time for myself and for other people. While I was researching for this interview, um, I found this other story and you mentioned once that you found it difficult previously to give yourself positive feedback. Mm -hmm. What do you do now to really just pump yourself up and, and give yourself what you need? Um, now I think it's just having a lot more confidence in my training kind of like I said earlier I think I was like such a racer before I would love to race and I wouldn't really like training and I wouldn't really like going to training sessions and I was just always like waiting for the next race and kind of excited for that but I think in the last year and a half two years not being able to race as much and having to switch my mindset around and really focus on training a lot more and just being stuck in the same country, same pool for the last like two years was really different for me. So I think really getting into training and getting a lot more confidence in myself in training has helped me a lot with just having more confidence day to day and like being able to give myself more positive reinforcement. Right, right. And I mean, I guess, yeah, the last two years have been just wild in, in general because of the pen, this thing that we're in called the pandemic. Yeah. How did that affect your overall perspective? You mentioned how you, know, you were able to focus here. In what ways was it beneficial but also difficult for you? I think during the pandemic, like when it first happened and not being able to get in the pool for, I think it was four months or, yeah, four months. I just kind of had to really learn how to be a person outside of swimming, which I'd never had to do before because swimmers don't take more than two weeks off ever. So it was just weird for me. I had like my boyfriend and my best friend quarantine with me in my apartment and it was super fun. And it was just nice to really just like live life with like two people that were really close to me and not wake up 
ever like stressing a practice or stressing a race, just kind of going day to day and not really knowing what to expect. Mm. And then I really worked on myself mentally and then coming back into swimming, I was just excited and motivated to get back into it for the first time in a while, I think. And I had a goal and it was the Tokyo Olympics and just knowing I have a year and a half of hard training and I just had four months off and now I just have to go. Focus, yeah. 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 From your social media presence, you seem very unapologetic about your success. <laughs> uh, and you talk about confidence too. So has have you always felt that way about, you know, your success? Have you always felt very unapologetic and, and that you've owned your success or is that something that you've had to work yourself up to? I think I've kind of had to work myself up to it a bit. Um, my parents are a little like intense with like sports. They kind of have always pushed us to like be the best we can be in all, like all aspects in school, sports, whatever. So I think growing up, my parents never wanted to tell us like, you're amazing at what you're doing or you're the best at what you're doing. So we were always kind of working to get to the next level and to try and like impress them a little bit, I think. Mm -hmm. So for me, like after Rio too, I was just kind of always like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, people would always say like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. And that for me was really overwhelming because I was just like, no, like I'm, I'm still working. I need to kind of get to the next level, you know? I think now more so than ever, I think especially just being the most decorated Olympian in Canada, that kind of just solidifies for me a little bit that I've done something right. And um, I'm still excited to just keep pushing myself and keep getting better. But I think having those little like kind of things that I can look back on and see that, no, you've done well and you've accomplished things. I mean, is if nice. that isn't validation, <laughs> then I don't know what is. I know. Um, so what advice do you have for other people to celebrate their own accomplishments? Because some people have a hard time owning it and, and you know, really just championing. I mean, I think there's a difference between arrogance and, and confidence. Mm -hmm. And so what advice do you have for people who really just want to soak into the, you know, the efforts of their hard work? Yeah, I think um, just like celebrating the little things is like a big thing for me, I think. I had to really celebrate things in training first and then I was able to work my way up and now I'm like happy with myself with bigger races and everything. I think just learning like when you've done something well and celebrating that versus like just celebrating every single day and kind of like getting into that mindset of like I'm doing everything properly and like I need to reward myself every day. I think that can just kind of get lost and then all of a sudden you don't know when you've actually accomplished something versus when you're just like constantly rewarding yeah. yourself. I think just finding those like moments and just really focusing on them and celebrating them in a way that makes you happy and being around people that makes you happy. I think that's like the best way to do it, I think. For sure. You know, when you're an athlete, the goalposts seem very defined. Be the best in the world get on the pony and beat your own records, be the top. Um, how do those goalposts change once you've achieved your goals and, and how do you evolve as an athlete? You know, where, where does that goal, how does that goal evolve once you've become the best and best that there is? Yeah, I think for me, I've always had a bunch of goals in mind and I kind of have like one major goal that I want to reach eventually, but I also set 
a little bit smaller goals along the way. So once I reach those, I kind of am working towards the one major one that I want. So for me, I haven't reached my major goal yet, but I've hit a couple small goals and that's pretty big for me. And I think I'm, I've exceeded where I thought I would be at this point. And mm. that's also a big positive for me. So I don't know, I think just kind of working my way up eventually. And I think I'm always gonna be able to find stuff to work on. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's something to be said about celebrating small wins along the way, mm -hmm. and just to kind of use that as something to give you momentum along your own kind of journey, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you touched on this a little bit, but how would you say your identity as an athlete has changed over the course of your career so far? What have you learned about yourself that's really helped mold your identity as an athlete, but also just as a human being? Yeah, I think, uh... The major thing is just my mentality towards racing and training has changed a lot in the last five years. I think I've, I'm only 21, but I've matured in that way where I really appreciate training. And I think that's also helped me as a person really appreciate the process more so than the outcome. But other than that, I think like just learning to appreciate the process has been huge for me. Yeah. What would you say is the lesson that was the hardest for you to learn or the lesson that took you the longest to learn throughout your own journey? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I feel like just not like getting to, I don't know, not celebrating it when it's like everything's going great, not celebrating too much and not getting too down on myself when things aren't going well, because I think you can kind of go to either extreme when things are really great or when things aren't so great and for me that was a really big learning experience because I think I would really get down on myself when things weren't good and I think I would especially after Rio I really celebrated after that and then it was kind of just like a drop yeah yeah definitely what do you believe in that goes beyond the swimming lane what are like some of the things that you're really passionate about what are the things that are really important to you from your own kind of value set beyond the pool? I think for me, like my most major thing is just kind of being a good person and surrounding yourself with good people. I think I believe that you're only as good as the five people you have closest to you. And so I really try to just like surround myself with really good people and people that are motivated and want to accomplish things and aren't selfish. And that's like really big for me. And I just believe in that so hard. <laughs> like, I yeah. love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did, you know, one of the earliest interviews that I had was with the co-founder of Roots. And I remember one of the things that he said in an interview, and it's always stuck with me. And it's like, you are who you run with and mm -hmm. you are who you're, you know, who you're with. And that is a direct reflection of who you are. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that is such a universal kind of, has a universal application to just life in general, whether yeah. that's who you, work with or who you surround yourself with for sure what does it mean uh to be glorious or victorious to me how do you define glory and victory for yourself i don't know i don't know i think just the people around me being happy like that is really big for me and i love like just making sure that everyone around me is enjoying things and if I'm swimming well, I know that the people around me are watching and they're enjoying it. And for me, that's like everything. And even the people I'm training with, like if I'm swimming well and I'm on a relay with them and knowing that I can help them get a medal and just
just make them happy and enjoy what they're doing. That's everything to me. What is your mission at the end of the day? What gives you purpose and what's really the big picture? And you've kind of um, you know, talked about this throughout the, throughout the interview, but at the end of the day, like what's the big picture for you? Just like swimming and being the best athlete and person I can be, I think. And just knowing that every time I'm like swimming, I know that people are watching. And if that's kids that want to get into it or kids that just love watching me because I always talk about pursuing your dreams and your passions, then I love that. And just for me at the end of the day, every day, it's kind of about swimming, like how I can be better at it and how I can use that as like a platform to be able to like speak about other things and kind of if I can get like kids to pursue their dreams and just not listen to certain people who are doubting them that's all I can ask for yeah great well thank you so much for taking the time thank to you. chat with us <laughs> um, it's been a really you know a big honor for us to be able to chat and just hang out together today and I, I you know I hope we can do more of this down the road as well for sure thank Thanks, you so early in her career Penny's impact on the next generation of Canadian athletes is already incalculable by drawing a blueprint for young women in sports to follow, she's become a champion of determination, strength, and ambition, both in the swimming lane and beyond. With two Olympic appearances under her belt and the 2024 Paris Summer Olympic Games still on the horizon, the sky's the limit for the Toronto native's career. Perhaps most importantly though, Penny is leading a new generation of leaders, notably young women, that make no apologies for their ambition or their successes. She owns them and is teaching others to be more confident in their goals and hard work. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?